Welcome to the Multifamily by the Slice Podcasts with your hosts, Dre Evans and Ike Eke. On this show, you'll gain unique perspectives from investors and professionals on all aspects of the apartment investing space. Do you want to achieve legacy wealth and live a life of financial freedom? Well, all it takes is that first slice of wisdom to get you started on the journey to building your empire. Please subscribe to the show, leave a five-star review, and pass it along to a friend that can benefit from a slice of multifamily knowledge. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What's going on, folks? Another episode of the Multifamily by the Slice podcast. I'm your host, Dre Evans, checking in in the beautiful San Diego, California, and Little Italy, some market in particular. And on this show, I got my boy, Jeremy Cisneros. He's actually a San Diego native himself. This story is unique. We talk a lot about uh, franchises, and you don't really get that much on multifamily shows. And what's unique about Jeremy's story is that his family all passed down owning McDonald's as a franchise. And he talks a lot about in depth of the lessons that he learned being a McDonald's operator and how he's applied that to multifamily to increase the income of an apartment complex, as well as to decrease the expenses. So a lot of good nuggets in there. And then also how he eventually got into multifamily real estate itself, how he learned how to underwrite or analyze a deal and how he eventually came to partner with Symphony Capital Group and Growth View Properties, which are the two groups that he currently is a part of underwriting. So sit back, enjoy this one. It's going to be a good one. Let's get it. So let me talk a little bit about our guest today, Jeremy Cisneros. Uh, Jeremy is a commercial real estate analyst and a CRE specialty lending underwriter. Over his eight plus year career, he has been a real estate broker managed and operated multiple franchises to include owning and operating McDonald's and originated several several hundreds of millions of dollars worth of commercial projects, ranging from 25 to 150 million. He is also the principal and director of acquisitions for Growth View Properties and Symphony Capital. Jeremy graduated from Northeastern University with a Bachelor of Science in Business. So without further ado, Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Appreciate you having me. That was quite the intro. You, you, you said it like no one else has ever said it. So I, I might have to steal that for my own bio. You <laughs> talk me out. <laughs> Thank you. No, go ahead, man. Go ahead and steal it, man. Go ahead and steal it. So you're in San Diego, correct? That's right. Downtown San Diego today, originally from New York. There you go. There you go. So tell us a little bit about your story, how you got started in real estate. Yeah, definitely. So it kind of started off similar to a lot of other folks I've heard on podcasts, you know, picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad book at a young age. And if you're familiar with it, got the quadrant business and real estate on one side of them and being in an entrepreneurial business focused family, we had the business side, but I've always been curious as to why it wasn't just assumed we'd also be in real estate. My, my you know, parents and family never really invested much in real estate. So from a young age, I've just been curious and as to, you know, why not put extra cash flow if you have it from the business and into real estate. And from there, when I was, you know, middle school, it just stuck with me in the back of my mind. I, I always knew I wanted to have a career that was somehow involved in real estate for one, you know, one way or another. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, what about Symphony Capital and, and Growth View? How did you join each of these teams and where did that come about? Yeah. So, you know, a little more of the background there and, and kind of transitioning from, you know, being a commercial real estate analyst for the past few years at a, a local local bank here in San Diego, 
but we we lent nationwide. So my background by trade is in underwriting for you know a bank that's pretty traditionally more conservative. And from there, I wanted to you know expand. It kind of happened simultaneously the growth of Symphony Capital and and Growthview. So I appreciate you asking because a lot of times people get confused because I am a part of two different groups that do virtually very similar business operations. The the big difference factor there is the markets in which we target, which, you know, we can, we can discuss a little bit for uh, symphony has been focused primarily historically on Arizona and um, Kansas city. We have a few properties now in in Kansas city and looking at a few other deals and then growth. We've been traditionally focused on the Carolinas, but have since also branched out to some other markets as well, but a lot of synergies between both groups and, uh, you know, potential collaborations in, in the future. And I was, you know, I'm one of three of the founding members of Growthview and one of four of the founding members of Symphony. Tell us how you met your partners for Symphony and Growthview. So through Symphony was, uh, it's all four of us are located in San Diego Gentleman by the by the name of Ellis Hammond, who you're familiar with, uh, was the first contact that I met through Bigger Pockets a few years back, and I think through him, he kind of you know we started going to a lot of meetups. We hosted a couple. We kept seeing a lot of similar faces, like you were out there. You know, not, now you're out there all the time. I see at every meetup I go to, and we kind of the four of us, uh, Keith and Bradley being the other two, started masterminding a little bit every week, and we we're just like, why don't we, you know grow this thing into, we then started a, start, a meetup a couple of years back and then eventually just grew into, you know, syndications from there. So that's Symphony locally here in San Diego and then Growthview. I met my, my other two partners there, Samson and Bradley through a group called 37th Parallel. They have a mentorship program called the Multifamily Partnership Program. And that's how I met those guys through a year plus mentorship program put on by that group I mentioned. Yeah, yeah, and I, and, I, and that was a, a question I definitely had. So, but you already brought up the thirty seventh parallel. So, tell us a little bit how you more about the thirty seventh parallel and how that. How did you learn about multifamily investing? So, obviously, you already had the background on underwriting through the bank side of the house. But where did that shift come? Where you really learned about multifamily? Was it just through thirty seventh parallel, or was that? It was there some self taught in that too? Where did that what was yeah. that background? Yeah, it's crazy how it's all been over the last, you know, three, four years or so. It seems like it's been, you know, much longer than that. But the chronological history there is kind of like, and I got to give credit to one of my buddies, his name is Sean. He, he turned me on to this guy you might know, Grant Cardone, and his mm-hmm. podcast originally. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I was thinking single family real estate for, for many years. And then Grant, you know, through his, you know, podcast and he's got a a strong personality of just buying more doors and 32 units minimum that really got me thinking like, this is feasible to go bigger, faster. And then to get that insurance component of it, if I want to get to a hundred doors acquisition faster, I'd like to go and get that reinsurance of, all right, let me go and essentially pay. Although there's a lot of free, a lot of free, great content out there. I'd like to pay to have the ability to network and connect with uh, an established institution like 37th Parallel who's done, you know, half a billion plus in in assets. Um, And that's their portfolio. They're looking to grow to a billion plus. And even though it's been years, I'm still in in contact with 
the guys over there, open arms, they're a great group of you know people and I consider them, you know, I can call on them when, whenever I run into an issue on, on anything. They're great. Yeah. It's crazy how small the circle is. Uh, 37th parallel, you know, Brad is an Eagle Academy grad like myself and, it's crazy how small the circles run because I originally met him when we were at your place in East Village. And yeah. obviously, so Brad and I are also part of a veterans real estate mastermind group here in San Diego called Silver Strand. It's ran by a, a captain who's active duty named Tim Keaton. He was there at my meetup last night. And okay. he's more, more so like the type of investor where he likes to front people capital to doing deals. Uh, he doesn't like to do the acquisition side of the house, you know, to each his own. But I mean, I remember Brad would like be on the emails and he'd be, oh, I can't attend or, or I'm busy or this or that. And when I I had seen his face, because you know he has his face at the bottom of the email logo. So when I came to your, your rooftop thing and I, I seen him, I was like, you must be Brad. And so then we just connected from there, not even knowing he was a Naval Academy grad. So obviously that was the other connection. And obviously we connected further with him talking about like him doing multifamily in San Diego and only one as well. And I I talked about how I was very bullish on multifamily in San Diego. So we really connected in that way. And then now I'm also connected through, well, obviously I know Ellis, but Mm -hmm. I I recently was connected through Chris Baum or what was the name? And uh, and Symphony, because I'm also part of another veteran Master Rock buying group called the War Room. Uh, Bradley Kirschbaum. Yeah, so Bradley and I got connected that way. I see his name come up. <laughs> I see Symphony Capitals because I'm the squad leader. So I run, uh, the, I run the meetings every Sunday for my squad, and it's about like six of us. So yeah. I seen, I seen the Symphony Capitals. I was like, no way. <laughs> He mentioned you. Yeah. So yeah. You finally came on the call last week. I was like, man, I feel like. We were we were supposed to have this conversation a long time ago, but he's a pilot. Obviously, he's on he's out to sea right now, and I was like, "Trust me, I get it. I've done it. I've been there." But again, he was telling us a little bit about like what you have you guys had going on too, and I'm like, "Man, the circles run small, man. When you're in that multi-family game, like it's it's a small little family." But it, it just makes me laugh. Like, yeah, and, and you know, people say real estate's a relationship game, but when you're in it, it truly is, and you never want to burn any bridges. Like, I, part of why I love this field so much is because for me, a lot of the people have been just fantastic to meet and get to know and beyond just colleagues, you know, have become friends. And, and you know, like I considered my partner's family. It's just, it's been a fantastic ride this far. And even if we didn't have the business, you know, the, the financial aspect of it, it already have been incredible. Yes, yes. Tell me a little bit how you, you know, got into the McDonald's. Obviously you have a background with the, with the, from the franchise industry. So how did you become an owner operator of McDonald's and then how did that experience equip you with the ability to be able to look at the inefficiencies and increase the revenue while decreasing the expenses for an apartment complex? Yeah. So part of, you know, what a lot of people don't know is before real estate, I, I was basically third generation McDonald's owner operator. My father and, and his father had purchased or kind of built out some of the McDonald's uh, early in late seventies, uh, early eighties. And we, my, my father grew that to seven locations. When I graduated college, I, I came to work for the family business in the trenches, first starting off in the office to understand how the back end works of the machine. And then kind of then going directly into literally being a cashier, uh, working the grills, working the fryers, 
my father was very adamant about me learning each specific facet of the business in case something happened, someone didn't show up, I knew how to do it. I could still make a Big Mac in my sleep. And going through that experience for the three or four years, it teaches you how to work with people first and foremost. And secondly, like you said, at the end of the day, you're looking at numbers at a P&L, profit and loss statement. That's what I do now. I analyze statements, but how do you actually implement that as an operator on the ground? And it's one thing to say, all right, reduce your labor, reduce your food costs and increase sales simultaneously. It's another to actually get it done and see the results and see your SOI, store operating income or an employment's NOI, net operating income increase because the, the multiple in real estate or a cap rate is so much higher than it is in a typical operating business, which you call a multiple. So it, I wouldn't trade the experience for the for the world. It was stressful for sure at times, but it also teaches you good character and work ethic. I like that. And then tell us a little bit about how you learned the underwrite deals. Obviously, that did that come a little bit from the 37th parallel with the mentorship? And then you already told us about the markets you focus on, right? So between Growthview and Symphony. So, yeah, tell us how do you how you learn to underwrite deals and what do you use to evaluate a multifamily property? Yeah, I was fortunate enough to land a role, like I mentioned, with the regional bank here. A lot of our lending was done on ground-up development deals over in New York City and, and core markets. Our loan sizes minimum were 20 to 30 million and on the upper range, a few that were 150 million part of a larger project because the debt isn't hundred percent of a project. It's, you know, sometimes 60 to 70, maybe 80%. So coming from a more conservative mindset as banks typically are, and if anyone's worked with the bank, you realize the underwriters are typically the, the pain in the butts that are asking for all this information and documentation. But at the end of the day, they're the ones that are your largest partner in the deal financially, typically providing more than half of the capital. So really coming from that mindset to today, my partners tell me all the time that it's, you know, I'm being a little bit too conservative with our, with our underwriting and we're not able to get some deals, but, and, and, and it's, you know, give and take. And that's why it's great to have partners and local knowledge, but coming from that mindset, I always feel confident and comfortable when we go to put an offer in that we're, we're at least buying it at a great price. And then we feel extremely comfortable about hitting the projections that we're putting on paper, making reality for our investors. The second segment of the show is called the legacy round. So everybody wants to build wealth, but few people really know how. So in the legacy round, it's an open forum on your favorite acquisitions that forever change the trajectory of your business or life. Practical tips on how to grow a portfolio or how to build your investor network. I think you're probably going to go with that acquisition. I'm actually going to flip it on you a little bit here. So I've gone full cycle on a few passive deals. I'll admit I haven't gone full cycle just yet on an active deal where I'm the general partner. So I'm going to, I thought about this one before. I'm going to bring my McDonald's experience because I think it's it's, it's relevant why we exited McDonald's. It was five years ago, almost six years ago now, where we sold the McDonald's. The, bu- the building was owned by, let's call it my, my family, but the dirt on which it sat on the land was owned by McDonald's and the land having been previously purchased in the seventies for, I don't know, a few hundred thousand dollars was then worth in 2015, $151 million. Now we didn't know it at the time. I, I, I later found out after researching, but that only successfully exiting and selling the business. And then we, that led to, that led to selling all of them. We decided, I was like, this is just crazy how this business that we were in McDonald's, we sold you know, food, burgers, fries, McDonald's 
is really in the business of real estate. That's how, that's where a majority of their wealth and cash flow comes from is real estate. And it only further enhanced my wanting and earning to get further into this game of commercial real estate. So that was the disposition side, not the acquisition. <laughs> and so in the Giordano round, that's the final round of the show. And obviously the name Giordano stems from Chicago deep dish pizza and my love for it in the city of Chicago. But Giordano is Italian and it stands for the flow of things, right? So we want our, our listeners to walk away with something as they listen to this podcast that they can directly apply and implement that will better their growth and, and knowledge of real estate. So it's a series of four questions that's more so rapid fire format that you can answer. So the first one is routine is key. Describe what a typical day looks like for you and how small discipline tasks have helped you to be successful. Yeah. So as we, as we've spoken about before, you know, we wake up early, uh, typically four 30 is my wake up call. I get to the gym by five. Um, I'd like to start my day afterwards around six 30 I try to do journaling. I'll, I'll admit I don't journal as much as I should or just have my alone thoughts, but I, I know that that's key with a lot of successful people and building habits. And then I do have my W-2. Today, I work with investors locally here in San Diego with, uh, with a company that's also nationwide, uh, real estate related. So throughout a normal day too, I'm carving out my lunch to take phone calls. That's Symphony Capital and Growth View related. And after work, I have level 10 meetings. These are structured uh, entrepreneurial operating system. Shout out to Gino Wickman. The Attraction is a great book if you haven't read it. That's kind of how we have our I have Monday and Wednesday meetings. And then, of course, you know, I have to spend some time with the wife. I wouldn't be a good husband if I wasn't. So Thursdays are date nights. If she's watching this, she knows I, I change that up sometimes to Tuesdays if I have to. You know, she's amazing. She's very agile. She try to keep my weekends open as much as we can. Um, we're actually flying to Chicago. Very fitting next week. Well, so I'll have to go and get some slice. <laughs> yeah, you got to do it. I think you'll love it if you haven't had it. Very, yeah. very unique slice of pizza. Yeah. And number yeah. two, if there was one slice, speaking of slice, if there was one slice of wisdom you wish you knew, when you got started or advice you could pass to listeners to help them, what would it be? Yeah. So it kind of ties into the, like the mentorship aspect. There's a ton of great free resources out there. And this might tie into, you know, another question you have coming in, but there's, I guess, get involved. Like just go to meetups, go meet face to face. This is a relationship business for sure. Just ask questions. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. I, I feel grateful looking back now that I did, that multifamily partnership program built connections. And, and again, those relationships with people now today that I, I know I'm going to have for the rest of my life. So just getting out there and getting started. Number three, what about vocab? What are your favorite or three most critical real estate terms multifamily investors should know and why? This was a tough one. You know, I, I think first and foremost, cash flow is a good term. Just, you know, got to have some cash flow at, at the end of the day. Cap rate is a good one because there's so many you know debates as to what cap rate means and the different uses of it. But cap rate is is the second, and then the third one. I didn't have a, a great response, but uh, I was thinking maybe NOI, net operating income, tying it back to increasing revenue, decreasing expenses. That NOI at the end of the day is what is what drives the metric of cash flow and and you know the value based off that and the cap rate. That's right. NOI is definitely one of the most important to me. You can directly drive it in many different ways. Number four, education is critical in this business. What books, masterminds, or apps would you recommend 
our listeners immerse themselves in? Well, you've been you've been killing it with the with the, the meetups lately, man. I've been seeing you all over. So if you're in San Diego, definitely shout out to Dre. Check out his, his meetup. It's always a, a great full of great great group that's always out there. Um, Thank you. Yeah, like like I said, also we mentioned the MPP program. You know, if you're brand new, honestly, like I, I would listen to uh, my podcast, go to a, a ton of them. I like old capital podcasts again, cause I'm a spreadsheet nerd. Uh, I like that they're lenders by background, Michael Becker, Paul Peebles, uh, Michael Becker now has his own, a ton out there. If you, if you search multifamily, it was a multifamily takeoff is another great local syndication source. There's a ton, a ton of resources out there. So once you get in this uh, arena, there's just a huge rabbit hole you can go down. There you go. And then uh, how can multi-family butter slice listeners best get in touch with you or learn about the services you provide? So this is where I, it, it gets a little confusing because you can go to thegrowthview.com yeah. or you can go to symphonycapitalgroup.com. You know, at the end of the day, I'm the one vetting the deals. And, and like I said, I'm underwriting the deals and getting signed off with my partners. Very similar return metrics. I would say you can't go wrong with, with either in my humble opinion. And then we're always looking at putting out some good deals. So check those websites out. You can find my contact information there, set up a phone call. I uh, would love to just have a conversation, get you involved. Very well. Again, you know, Jeremy, I was excited for this podcast. Thank you for the knowledge that you bring. I know you got a birthday celebration coming up. I saw the, <laughs> the email from your wife. So yes, I, will, I, will, I will be there. And All right. um, I always like to leave my listeners with a my favorite quote. Um, I have it tattooed on me. I have full of tats. You probably can't see it. My <laughs> listeners can't, but because I have my jacket on. But I have one of the quotes that I have tatted on my forearm is, at some point, there's no excuse. Either you do everything it takes to make it happen or you don't. And I think it really just humbles you and guides your life in that gut check that, like, you got to get it after you don't. So uh, thank you for your time and looking forward to uh, the next episode. Appreciate it, man. This was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, yeah, excited to see where this takes us. Thank you for listening to the Multifamily by the Slice podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Lastly, check out the show notes for links to topics discussed, as well as website and social media links for Dre, Ike, and our guest. See you next week.